Good morning and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. Summer seems to be upon us. The Jewish liturgical year is in hiatus. We have celebrated the holiday of Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, which occurs 50 days after the second day of Passover. As we've spoken on this show before, the weeks between Passover and Shavuot seem to have similarity to the notion of Pentecost in Christian tradition. And while during the summer there are some fast days, important ones on the ninth day of the Hebrew month of Av, which commemorates the destruction of the first and second temple and other tragedies in Jewish life, The truth of the matter is that we are in a hiatus. And as a rabbi, my thoughts turn from the calendar that was to the calendar that will be. And I begin to think of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur that are months away, but In my mind, I imagine myself standing in synagogue, chanting the powerful words and melody of the preeminent prayer of the Holy Days, Avinu Malkenu, translated, Our Father, Our King, but certainly representative of the two dynamics of deity, the deity as patriarch, parent and deity as sovereign. And when I think of this powerful prayer, I am reminded of how just far I feel from the understanding of God, from the theology of our Father, our King. For despite my connection to the language of tshuva, repentance, as well as to the inspiring music of the whole holiday season. It's difficult to affirm the literal meaning of the theology expressed on the Holy Days. And indeed, as I think about the Holy Days, it calls me to consider the liturgies for the daily and Shabbat prayers. In our prayer book, God is determining and controlling all events. God is sitting in judgment and doling out reward and punishment. In our Siddur, the Shabbat and Festival prayer book, and in our Moxor, the Holy Day prayer book, God is standing transcendent beyond this world. These are the dominant images of biblical and rabbinic theology They permeate the canonical language of Jewish prayer. But when I'm honest with myself, and summer seems somehow to be the time for reflection and theological honesty, the theology never resonated with me, never felt authentic to my spiritual quest. 
I did not ever find myself believing in the God of heavenly transcendence, the highly anthropomorphic deity of classical Judaism. I always identified with the long history of Jewish thinkers who boldly sought to reinterpret this model. Dissatisfied with literal understanding of scripture, many prominent theologians from Philo of Alexandria onward expressed a figurative and allegorical interpretation of that fatherly and kingly image, that dominant conception of determinism and omnipotence. In our own day, the otherness of God as an enthroned king may also be in re reinterpreted in a decidedly non-literal way. Perhaps the kinship of God may represent the manner in which our lives are guided by the imperative and urgency of religious commandment by the call to engage in transformative social justice. Perhaps we can adapt that image to evoke a sacred enthronement of the divine present in nature, in ritual, in our very human hearts. I'm often drawn to a theology of radical oneness, a spiritual view inspired by the Jewish mystics, one in which divinity is the totality of existence. It seems to me that God is not beyond this world, but within it. Divinity is the great force of life, the cosmic breath that dwells at the center of all being, the pulse of energy that runs through the cosmos, filling reality with a thousand streams of light. There in the paths and corners of the mundane, we find the luminal presence of the divine. There we are awakened to an overwhelming sense of the sacred, the holy of holies relocated from the ancient temple in Jerusalem into the human heart and the beauty of the ordinary. The God I believe in is imminent and one with the world we know present in the here and now, in the process of the creativity in the sublime moments of pure love and in the very ordinary rhythms of daily life. As the mystical tome Zohar said more than 700 years ago, there is no place that is devoid of God. And yet our experience of the fundamental oneness still allows for a sensation of transcendence, the intuition that the divine core is beyond our grasp. But instead of the heavens above, I suggest that it is being on within, transcendence relocated into the imminence of this world. God is the ever-present force in the life in which we flourish, and yet we are perpetually mystified by that presence, ever aware that there is something profound that transcends and eludes our human perception. We stand before the wonder of the world, and we feel the great mystery in our bones. The enigma of our living and dying calls out to us. We feel the effervescence of our bodies. We search for meaning and purpose on a fragile bridge over the nothingness of unknowing. The darkness over the face of the deep. This is our existential soul ache the never-ending intuition that there is more to life 
than we see at first glance. The mystery is as real as our senses of touch and taste. We know that there is radiance and redemption beneath the surface of our experience. That glow is the hidden light of divine presence concealed there from time immemorial. As the ancient Jewish legend teaches, the perfect illumination was clothed in Torah. It was housed in the wondrous chambers of sacred language in the shapes and meanings of scripture and its transmission to humanity. In each generation, the student of Torah discovers the light of those words anew. The very self of God is encountered again and again. The moment of learning, an event of revelation. The concrete markers of time and space in our Jewish tradition lead us in and out of our ability to perceive this complete unity. With the entrance of Shabbat, a weekly occurrence, the dining room of the Jewish home is often transformed from an ordinary space into a zone of sanctity. We who practice Judaism who understand the power of religious life, discover the flow of divine energy in our midst, always there, unceasing. But we cannot feel that completion in all moments. It is a spiritual state of mind and heart open to us when we have made our souls ready, when we have attempted to live our lives with mindfulness, with attention directed to God. That is the purpose of Jewish mitzvot behavior. It is the purpose of ritual behavior to help us live our lives with mindfulness, with attention directed to the divine presence in the universe. The Jewish mystics teach that all of life is interconnected. They offer us the insight that we are all part of one organic whole. They challenge us to think of the wonders of natures, the transformation of the imagination before a great painting or poem, the sparkling text of Torah, the open hand of a friend. These, the mystics tell us, are all pieces of the oneness of God. There is no real separation, they say, no divine between the world and God and our human selves. They challenge us to look beyond the veils that cover our spiritual sight to understand the deep meaning of the biblical phrase, Ein od mil vado. In this original text, the Hebrew words meant that there is no other God besides the God of Israel. But the Hasidic mystics read it in a boldly different way. They read it, Ein od mi livado. There is nothing other than God. God's divinity is all that exists. We are all but faces and traces of the great ineffable one. The pure mystery of existence that circulates through the cosmos like blood through our body. To adapt some of the mystery used by the medieval mystics Kabbalists, God may be characterized as the ever-unfolding voice of reality, 
the spirit breath that whispers and hums beneath the surface of things, slowly rising to articulation through the phenomenon of happenings of this world, the nuances of the earth, the diversity of human expression and personality, the multi-layered interpretations of the text that inspire us. These are the coming to speech of divinity. These are the manifestations of the primordial divine word, first hidden in the mysterious cosmos of memory, and then disclosed from the darkness in the present wonders of life. The primordial divine word. It reminds me for a moment of how the book of John begins. In the beginning, there was the word. In Jewish tradition, the word. That is the essence in which we find God. If God is the great breath of the cosmos, the pulse of energy that sustains all being in every instant and every moment, then the breath of our own bodies, the force that defines our living and our dying, is the place where the divine presence is found. You remember that in Genesis, we read that God breathed, nefesh Elohim, the breath of God into humanity, and with God's breath, we became alive. It is that force that defines our living and our dying. It is the place within us, Nefesh Elohim, where the divine presence is found. We live within the mystery of our mortality, of our fleeting existence in this world. All the forms that we know and love, they all return to the great ocean of oneness, to the seamless earth of the world. From somewhere deep within, an ethereal promise of redemption shows itself, a brief vision of the ways in which we are all connected and interwoven. And the music, that wonderful music that exists without words called the Nigun, it is within the Nigun that we find God. We train our ears to hear it across the immense silence of the solitary hours, in the sound of the wind through the summer's late afternoon, in the magical laughter of a child to play. The sublime sights of the eye show the world of God, the divine name that is woven into the wondrous texture of life, places that recall Eden's perfection. From the ancient time, the Ruach, the breath, the spirit rises, slowly becoming the audible voice of reality, the evolution and distillation of the source of life. And then emerges the speech that has been there but hidden all along, the song of divinity that brings meaning to the daily rhythms of the life, to the calendrical cycle of our weeks, months, and years. You know, if you pay attention to your breath, say, the Buddhists, that it is within our breath, breath that the essence of our life is manifest. We breathe in, we breathe out. When we focus on our breathing, we leave ourselves and become mindful 
of what it is that the source of our life. So too it is within the notion of Kabbalistic understanding of God that the Ruach Elohim, the breath of God imparted within us, helps us to focus, helps us to understand God's presence in our lives. And it's not only the rhythm of our breathing, but the rhythm of our calendrical cycles of our weeks and our months and our years. Often you've heard me in this show speak about our Jewish life cycle events, our Jewish calendar. All of them help us to understand the power of that moment placed within a structure, the power of that moment of breathing. In the classic book of early Hasidic mysticism called Sha'ar Hayichud V'Ha'emunah, the gate of oneness and faith, Rabbi Schneer Zalman of Leidy asserts that the speech of God is the very fabric of being, and were that the act of speaking to stop for even a single moment, all of existence would return to an mamash, complete nothingness and nullity. This he creative claims is the meaning of the verse from Psalm 119. God, your words stand firm in the heavens forever. Let olam Adonai Devarcha Nitzav B'Shamayim. God, your words stand firm in the heavens forever. All of reality is animated by God's eternal the present of the divine word, the constant undercurrent of cosmic voice that maintains the life force of all that is. Indeed, according to this great Hasidic master, Shnur Zalman, the existence of this world depends entirely upon the constancy of the divine speech. And he imagines the very texture of being as composed of the letters of the supernatural utterance. The name of God itself, the Tetragrammaton, yud heh vav heh is the deep structure of reality. The life-giving speech of God that forms the shape and existence of nature. The tapestry of being is the language of God. And everywhere we look, we may discover the words of divine revelation concealed in the ordinary frames of the mundane. Think for a moment. The story of Exodus. Could not see, but could hear. The people of Israel stood the base of the mountain. They could not see God, but they could hear God's word. They could not see the presence of the divine, but they heard God call to them. They heard God call to them so directly that they were able to say, Na'asev and Ishmah. We will do and we will hearken. The history of humanity, the history of nature, these are the never-ending vibrations of God's voice. Divine revelation first noted 
at Mount Sinai on Shavuot is the ongoing music of existence. Our souls are open to the tone by lifting the barriers from our rigidly protected hearts to the unexpected resonance of the sacred. It's why Torah is chanted. It is through that ethereal melody assigned to the reading of Torah that our souls are open to that tone, the tone of the words. We become, as it says in Hebrew, kelim, instruments of the divine melody. We are transfixed and transformed as we hear the melody of Torah. Rising from the first breath, the life force of God moves forward from the hidden to the revealed, from the inwardness of breath to the music of sound, the meaning of a spoken word into being. And what is the most powerful prayer in the Hebrew liturgy? Shema Yisrael. Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, Shema, hear. How do you hear God? Shema Yisrael, hear Israel. H-E-R-A-R, not H-E-R-E. Listen, to listen in prayer. In our moments of greatest closeness to God, we enter into the worlds, only move beyond them, to the region within, that place where only words exist, though there is no sound. Eyes closed, the music in and through us to reveal that presence once more, the power of the biblical chant to bring us back to the pure place of connectedness complete integration into the oneness of all. This is the great power of the nigun, the worldless melody. This is the great power of the nigun that underpins the chanting of Torah. Wordless contemplative melodies that infuse our prayer with meaning. The Nigun returns us to that place before language, before thought. The sounds, Shema Yisrael, hear Israel. The sounds reverberate in our souls, rousing a primal memory, the perfect absorption in God that precedes all worldly form. Before the separateness of letters and words, there is pure breath and tone. Song that may lead us to the moment where end meets beginning, where redemption arches back to complete the cycle of creation. In the Nigun, we feel the deep oneness of existence. In the Nigun, the rhythm of a divine life force that returns us to the pulse and drumbeat of our innermost hearts. 
in the domain of words and language. It is only poetry that has the power to lift us between beyond the rational divisions of language and the power to lift us in thought. Poetry, a form of music, leads us to the transcendent. Perhaps that is why the Psalms, the poems of David, are considered so powerful. And though they are assigned to the authorship of David, we use them in Jewish liturgy all the time because we know that poetry is a form of music. And listening to the beauty of Psalm 23 or Psalm 121 leads us to the transcendent through metaphor and image. We feel the stirrings of the mysterious. We are moved to a realm where, the, where words fail us, where the mind cannot grasp and communicate the immensity of wonder. It is the music of Jewish devotion, the nigun of prayer that may take us to the transcendent place of the speechless, the inspiration that evokes the sublime, the brilliance of the sacred, in the Nagun, we may recapture the cry of primordial yearning, the melody that guides our life world, unseen and majestic. You may be wondering, what does a Nagun sound like? So I want to picture this. I want you to close your eyes. Don't think of written liturgy. Don't think of words for the moment. Don't think of concepts. Think of yourself surrounded by members of your community, the Jewish community. And the leader of the prayer service begins and now we all join together with the Shaliak Zibor. And we all begin to sing. And now the melody changes slightly, but the words simply Hebrew letters in conjunction with each other stay the same but the melody changes and as the melody changes we are transfixed and transformed from this moment from this present place to a place where the divine spirit enters into our hearts this morning i've chatted with you about an alternative approach to Jewish faith. Not the faith of the God that we find in the Torah, but an ever-developing faith, an ever-emerging faith in the imminent presence of God, 
God's presence within us and within this world that we find in a mindfulness of breath and of melody. That is the God of the summer. That is the God between the holiday of Revelation and the holiday of Avinu Malkenu. For Jewish faith and Jewish facts, I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten, wishing you a good day. Shalom. Shalom.